Hi there, and welcome to Be a Global Citizen, the podcast that explores the concept of global citizenship through the lens of value-creating education. My name is Scott Bauer, and I'm a SOCA researcher and educator. I hope you find the discussion, stories, and insights on this podcast to be valuable and inspiring as we strive to become global citizens who are committed to living a contributive life. Today on the podcast, I spoke with Mariah Danjona about her thoughts on global citizenship. Mariah is a school administrator in Uganda. She has a strong background in finance, business, and accounting that informs much of the foundational work she is doing to lead her school community towards greater inclusion and higher academic achievements. She speaks about her growth as a school leader and the efforts she is making to ensure that education is more accessible to children in her community, especially for girls and teenage mothers. She believes that being a global citizen is about having empathy and care for others. Enjoy the conversation. Uh, Great to be here this evening. Uh, Thank you, Scott, for hosting me. My name is Maria. I am a mother of three, currently living in Uganda. Uh, I've been working as a school administrator for the last eight years. Looking forward to the discussion tonight. Hi, Mariah. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I'm very, very happy that we can have this, uh, this, this space and you know use this time to really learn more about your background as an educator, school administrator, and um, yeah, and your understandings and your your thoughts regarding this concept of global citizenship. And um, and so, you know, to get us started, I'd love for us to hear a little bit more about your own journey as an educator and school administrator. Um, this is about your professional background. You can think about it like various milestones that you you came upon um, that helped inform you as uh, as a teacher, educator, and like why why did your um, you know why did your path lead you? to this moment? Uh, Thank you, Scott. I think it wasn't pre-planned initially, but I come from a family of educators. My mother was a teacher. My four sisters are teachers. I was the only one that had actually uh, diverted to a different career. I I don't want to call it destiny, but I found myself back to supposedly where I'm supposed to be. So it's not like it was pre-planned, but here I am here and I am happy that I'm here right now. Wow, yeah. So would you say that like you were kind of resisting going down that same path because you had this family background and everyone's like, let's be a teacher. I'm going to be a teacher. And you said, no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, because because in Uganda, teachers... um, in the past, teachers were respectable people, but over over time, things have changed, and um, they're underpaid. Their welfare is always wanting. Uh, you know, they get to moments where they're literally begging. They're borrowing everywhere. So it doesn't paint the right picture of the profession. So we grow up hating the profession because of what teachers look like, because of what teachers are taken through, because of what teachers are. Yeah, so I I resisted it. Like, I kind of resisted it so hard. My mother kept telling me, you should go to a teacher training school. And I told her, never. I will never be a teacher. Because I saw her struggling to bring us up. I saw her struggling to fend for us. I saw her struggling to pay her fees. Yet she had a job. And then I've I've watched my big sisters struggle when they even had jobs. So, yeah, not, not, not that I didn't want it, but because of what comes with it. It, it really puts you down and you, you don't aspire to be what other people are because they are not doing well. Yeah, just like, just that. Yeah, well, it's clear that your your mother had such a, a big influence on you just by her mm-hmm. encouraging you to go down that path. Why, why do you think, like, for her, for your mother, she thought that you would be a great teacher or that she really believed that that would be your path? Like, is there something about education that she really believed in, right? Despite the fact that they are underpaid and that they are not given the the credit and respect that they deserve? Um, I think for her, away from the welfare and the pay, she's proud to be an educator. 
and she would love to see her children be educators, regardless of the circumstances. So for her, she really felt like, yeah, you could be a great teacher. Uh, you're a smart child and you can do this. But because of what comes with it, I just resisted it because. Not because I hated the profession, but because of what comes with it. So, yeah, just that. Yeah, I think, you know, the fact that your mother had this pride of being a teacher is really important, right? Because regardless of what outside, like, society would would tell people, especially your mom, that, like, oh, it doesn't really matter, or what what is it that you're really doing? What kind of influence that you have? She knew at her core, this is making a difference. And I know my students, and I want to serve them for the greater good. And... And I think that um, many teachers would agree that that is a driving force for them, right? To see, mm -hmm. to see their student learn, their eyes light up, to know that they're they're supported. Um, and so, you know, I think that's that's really important for for you. Now, what was it like? What was it that like got you considering this pathway? Because you were very resistant, and then something must have changed, right? Was there a particular moment yeah. where you said, well, let me let me give this a try or let me consider this. And then, you know, the rest is history. But what was that moment that allowed you to entertain that possibility? When um, when I, I got a chance to join school is when I got married. And my husband had that same year started over school as an investor, not as a teacher, as an investor. And after a few months of looking at what was happening at the school, we, we both agreed that it needed better administration. And, and I come from a background of business administration, accounting. So we had to sit down and agree on who is going to actually leave your job or your other business to come and manage the school. So I came to basically do, with a business mind, you know, to do administration of this business. And... Uh, a little time into it, I think I fell in love with the profession. And that is how I ended up where I am today. I, I fell in love with the process, with the with the children, with how they are handled, and also um an inner desire of understanding what is done there and uh, uh you know conceptualizing the impact that you would want to see in the children and the after effect of us doing it the right way. So little by little, I got into it and I started looking at what is not even going right vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the product that we have defined that we want to achieve at the end of the year. Uh, and then I got involved. And when I got involved, I couldn't get myself out of there. So, yeah, I think then destiny caught me there and uh, I, I, I finally got, got to where I was supposed to belong. Yeah, I, I think I think that that very much sounds like the case, right, where you you saw this this issue, right? You, you very mm -hmm. practically thinking, okay, this school is not what it should be. It's not functioning mm -hmm. that it should be operating. And, mm -hmm. and you brought with, you know, you brought these skills, this knowledge uh, that could really help the school out and then decided to make that, that impact. And you said that you, your background was in business and accounting. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, how, how did you, how did you get into business and accounting? I imagine you probably went went to school for it or you worked in other places. Like, could you share a little bit more about how you got to acquire that kind of knowledge that would then translate over into school administration? Uh, the Ugandan education system requires us to study three years of kindergarten, uh, seven years of primary school, six years of high school. And then after that, you can go to university. So uh, at my undergraduate, I had, uh, I first did a certificate in advanced business administration uh, at university. Then I joined my bachelor's, uh, that is a three-year course in accounting. So I come with that and uh, different experiences from different places because I had worked in three other places before joining the school. I had worked at the Uganda Bureau of Statistics, data analysis. Um, I had worked at a, at a hospital, finance administration. I had also, uh, prior to the school, worked with development initiatives. It is a, 
a non-government organization based in Bristol, UK, but it works in different parts of Africa uh, around, around donor aid, uh, budget financing, around research, policy research, and a few other aspects of uh, kicking people out of poverty. So I came with all that experience, but then I had to retrieve my undergraduate knowledge to come and, uh, and implement the business mind into the school and see that we are actually uh, achieving the return on investment. That is basically why I went there, not because I wanted to understand how the curriculum needs, what content is designed, how is it actually evaluated, do we do the standardized tests? How do we measure success or performance? How do we um, interpret student outcomes? You know, nothing around academic. It was typical of the business mind. But when I got there, I realized to manage it better, you needed to understand every other aspect of it. Uh, you need to understand what teachers are teaching and what they ought to achieve at the end of a particular period. You needed to understand the aspects, the different aspects of every other subject and what outcomes we expect at the end of the day. You had to get involved in curriculum content and you know, redesign and design um, to see that we achieve what we want to achieve. We had to do aspects of projects because our curriculum doesn't really allow for that. But then I found myself delving into that and navigating challenges around a, typical, a typically theoretical curriculum to bring in an aspect of, uh, of practical uh, because I had been exposed uh, in the UK, in South Africa. I had seen children learn and I wanted to, to you know, replicate that into this place. But it was hard. But, you know, over the years, we have gone slowly by slowly to, you know, bring up a few aspects of the other curriculums that I've seen work to, you know, uh, put together with ours. And we, we have seen great change. So, yeah, I ended up going to the other side. So these days I am more of academic around content, instruction design, and then I come back to administration a little bit. Well, you know, your your school is so lucky to to have someone with the knowledge and experience that you have. Uh, you know, you talked about the business mindset and how that was really important in terms of kind of laying the groundwork and getting mm -hmm. organized within the school so that they could then really effectively address all the other components that are needed within curriculum, lesson planning, the professional development with the teachers, the, the family engagement as well. I mean, there's there's so much that goes into that. And I'm sure that like, you know, with the the business, you need you need both to be working um, you know, at the same time. Um, and oftentimes we we kind of think of schools as just, you know, places where teachers right just teach, right? But there's there's so much more that happens behind the scenes. And and so it's interesting exactly. that you found yourself, you know, with all of your working experience, um, in, in many ways behind the scenes, right? Looking at the the data, looking at the accounting statistics and and then suddenly there's this transition point where no longer mm -hmm. could you just be behind the scenes, like within a school, everything's pretty upfront, right? Everyone's kind of walking around. And I, I, I would imagine the school, um, you know, is probably smaller than like that of a hospital or the Uganda Bureau of Statistics, right? So the mm -hmm. scale yeah. itself is different. You know, everything is very unique. And, um, yeah. and so, you know, like, uh, my question is like, how, how long have you been at this school, has it always been just this one school or have you gone to different schools? Um, yeah. Um, it has been it has been at the same school since 2015. But last year, uh, the school actually opened up another branch, but it has been in the same school. Mm. But I've been engaging with so many other people at, 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 at uh, the national level, because I also uh, deputized the executive director at the proprietors of Uganda private institutions. So we share a lot at national level with different other directors, proprietors of uh, primary schools and secondary schools. So, you know, we discuss these things, what you're doing different from what I'm doing at my school and what benefits more and what, you know, 
results that I have seen. And if you really like what the other person is doing, then you take it and also, you know, teach your teachers and uh, see that you you you, you better because our curriculum is not really the best. So you really have to get aspects of others and, you know, co-join to make sure you get a good product. So that's what I have been learning from other people at the association, but also sharing a lot with uh, with my teachers. They're very knowledgeable and also learning from other people and keeping on reading to understand. Actually, somewhere in 2022, uh, I also did a course in SEE curriculum. It's the Accelerated Christian Education Curriculum. I think it comes from South Africa. Uh, there are aspects of it that I really wanted. It's it's very child-centered. It builds a child's independence. And, and I wanted to get that. And it builds a lot of um, strength and independence in reading because the child from four years is taught how to read by themselves. And ours is very teacher-centered. A teacher must stand there, get a piece of chalk right on the board six times a day, and the child must write in the book. So it's tedious. Uh, it's tiring, it's exhausting for the children, but also for the teacher. They have to write and they have to mark books. You know, at the end of the day, they're super, super exhausted. Uh, so I wanted to get those aspects of, okay, can we get, um, they call them paces, the books, where a teacher doesn't have to write on the chalkboard, where a kid builds the reading cap capability, you know, that kind of thing. So it's been helpful. And uh, I really think that at a particular point in time, our curriculum development center will consider a few things uh, to, you know, to improve our curriculum and also not exhaust the children and not exhaust the teachers as well. Yeah, no, curriculum is so important and understanding the, the needs of, of the children and, you know, how they learn that process uh, of engaging mm -hmm. with them. And then, you know, on your part, studying other curriculum, right? Looking outside of, of Uganda or finding what works and how that can be applied into your own unique, you know, school environment. Um, I think that's, that's really a, a great recipe for um, making these, you know, changes that, you know, will ultimately benefit the community itself. And, you know, from 2015, when you started and um, up, up until now, um, it's, I'm sure there's been a lot of growth, right? There's been mm -hmm. changes implemented yeah um, and so would you how would you like characterize the school in 2015 and then now how would you you know characterize it now um, maybe just kind of highlighting like a, a few aspects of like what were the major issues and then how have you seen those issues uh, you know evolve uh, to to where we are right now I think the biggest issues were around financing first of all and also around the skill sets that our teachers actually had. They, they need continuous development. They need you to actually push them. They need you to introduce new things and also actually give them the, uh, the opportunity to learn, but also uh, the quality and the mindsets of the parents that we have um, has changed over time. Uh, and the numbers of the children and the children that we attract, at the moment we attract even the refugees that come uh, from South Sudan, from the, D the DR Congo, and they come with no knowledge of English or Luganda, our, our native language. Uh, but we have been able to take them in and, and, and actually get immersed into the system because it has those practical aspects that actually doesn't um, segregate language. You know, it's about understanding that I'm going to put this to this and get this. Uh, and over time, they get to learn English and learn Luganda, and then they fit in. Most of the time, they're bigger than their classmates because they have been through war for particular years. So at first, it was really hard. But now, you know, we, we, just, we just get them in and we don't get issues. We have actually empowered our teachers to, to do languages around the languages that they come knowing. They come speaking French, they speak Arabic, they speak, uh, you know, the local language from Burundi. So you must have at least languages that you, 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 you know you can share with them, Swahili 
and our people, we have people in different places that can come in and help us. And that is how we teach them until when they actually get immersed into the system and learn how to flow with us. So I have seen the the, the, the children change, the, 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 the characteristic of the student body, uh, the characteristic of, of the teachers that we actually uh, uh, employ at the school, the environment, the parents that come in, uh, you know, you know, you mentioned somewhere about the family school partnerships. At first, it was so hard, you know, dealing with a person who doesn't even appreciate that being anywhere part of the learning process is their responsibility. But as you grow and get better, you also attract parents that are at a better literate level, you know, and they appreciate these things much better than those that have never been to school. And these are parents that you could ask to say, okay, you will pay this money and they're not really complaining. But then as you start, you get every other parent, those that can afford, those that cannot afford, and those that don't think it is even worth the money that you're asking for, because this is a private school that must actually run with the fees that the children pay. So it's it's been evolving. We had 47 learners back in 20. 2015 and we have 473 as we speak so we we have grown and uh, covid hit us so bad i think it would be over 500 or 600 but the two years of covid because we work in a sub urban area uh, people are not permanently placed in these places so they keep moving and when covid came people lost their jobs and they had to move back to the rural areas so we lost so many students in the transit from urban back to the rural areas, but we are catching up slowly. And uh, I'm sure that over the next two to three years, we shall get where we want to get. Wow. It, you know, it just sounds like, I'm, I'm sure like from 2015, each year has presented different challenges, like new growth, but like new students, you know, different needs from those students, from like the linguistic and like cultural backgrounds. Um, the fact that, you mm -hmm. know, your teachers as well had to like learn new curriculum or new approaches or even like languages, like you said, right? Or the kind yeah. of the, like uh, enough of the language to create that sense, that that connection, that bridge with the students or their families. The bonds. Mm -hmm. yeah. Those bonds are so important. Um, and, and it's something that, you know, through that, process you you gain trust you build this trust so easy to lose that yeah. trust in a fraction of a second yeah. but you're constantly you know trying to extend that hand and be as welcoming as possible uh, i can only imagine mm -hmm. what uh, the, the 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 young people from um, like as refugees from south sudan must have experienced and uh, how mm -hmm. that has disrupted many things in their life um, as well as their own conception of like, what is my future? And and I often mm -hmm. associate education, the act of studying as kind of this ability to envision a new future for themselves or this this goal, right? Sometimes that goal is as simple as, um, you know, I, I want to be able to to read this book. And then when you look at that goal, there's actually nothing simple about it, right? Because there's so mm -hmm. many things that teachers uh, and, you know, family and administrators have to do in collaboration um, to to have that student want to learn and feel like they're making progress. Um, so and, and then the fact that your school is now at over 400 students compared to uh, the 2015 number, like that's, uh, yeah, I mean, again, from the financial side, I mean, I'm sure that that required a lot of effort to to scale and to accommodate, like, what is the capacity of the school to even manage mm -hmm. that number of, of students? Um, so it just sounds like, you know, whenever you probably get to a point where you feel like things have stabilized, right, we've reached our goal. Suddenly, you know, the school has other plans, like the, the community, and then you have to reassess and create new plans for the future. Yeah. Expansion doesn't stop. Yeah, it does not, does not stop at all. And um, how has it been like, so now that it's it's been many years that you've been um, working in this capacity as a school administrator um, and you've had to learn so much, right? I mean, of course you were there with the goal of applying your knowledge and experience in business and accounting and you certainly have done that and continue to, 
but you're you're seeing you know the kind of bigger picture of like what what it means to to run a school and to understand all of the different nuances um what would you say has been like um you know your evolution as a school leader like how have you like in what import like in what ways have you grown and like stepped into leadership in in your current context like how have you changed or grown as as a leader i guess is my question Um, I, I'll say, I think the first thing that you, you, you get in your growth as a school administrator is empathy. You learn to feel for others. You learn, you know, to, you, 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 you create a desire to, 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 to feel like the parent who gave you this learner. If I was the parent, would I really be happy with? my student my, my child doing this uh you feel for the refugee uh student that has just walked into school and you know how are they feeling in a new environment with new people in a different language so the empathy just pours down on you and and that is what actually pushes you into all the other corners of the school because you want to make the parent happy uh you want to make the student have the students happy You want to make sure your your teachers and the other people that support us happy. So it's it's about empathy because everything is increasingly interdependent on the other. If the support team is not happy, the teachers will not be happy. If the teachers are not happy, the parents will not be happy. If the parents are not happy, the learners will not be happy. So it's like a, an ecosystem that keeps running, and you in the middle, you get absorbed into every other, you know. ray that comes into the middle and it all pours down on you. So I think it's empathy and uh, you have to to have skills around critical thinking and problem solving. Uh, you know, I think I would say community collaborations. You need people to work with to run a school inside and external of the school. Uh, it, it, it keeps on growing. To, to, to local levels, to national levels, sometimes to global levels. And uh, I think over time you realize that you, you, you get to a corner of um, a cross-cultural awareness. You get to appreciate other people's cultures, other, other people's beliefs. Uh, and, and if you don't allow yourself to cross over there, then you cannot be able to manage these ones that come and are different. So that kind of inclusion in your mind and then a lot of care and compassion. I think at, at first I thought I couldn't take children. Like I couldn't stand them. They're, they're very demanding that you have to be, <laughs> they have to, you have to be their body, soul, mind, like all of you. When you're, when, when you're teaching children, you can't be there partly. You really have to be there. And when you're all there, then you get what you want to get. So, so many aspects of you grow over time. And if you refuse to grow, then you cannot run the school. You, you said so much, uh, yeah, it's just so much truth about the realities and the demands of, of being a teacher, being a school leader. And I just thought it was so funny about, um, you're like, oh, children are so demanding. <laughs> It's true, right? <laughs> But yeah, they're because demanding they're young. you're young. They need to learn. They're curious. Yeah, they need to learn and they need care and they need compassion. You know, you have to be uh, creating that environment of social, emotional learning. Mm -hmm. I think they need to trust you. They need to know that you understand their challenges. They need to understand that you you are there for them. So it's it's demand that they actually uh, get from you. They, they put it there, up there and you must give the supply. So you must be full and, you know, ready in your mind, in your body, in your soul to deliver on the demand that they bring onto the table. I know that I'm complaining, but at first I couldn't think I could take that. Like, I didn't have children then and I was like, I cannot do babies. Like, but then right now, I, I, I would run to the first one that I see. Your, 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 your heart pours out. You just get used to them and understand, okay, this one is crying because maybe one, two, three things and you sort them and you're good. So it, it, it flows naturally after some time.
Yeah. Wow. Thank, thank you. Um, that it just sound you know the way that you speak about like all the various concerns that need to be to be had, and then the actions that are taken by leaders to have empathy, to recognize the kind of web of relations of like interconnectedness that we have, the interdependence, trying to think about everyone within this ecosystem, community collaborations, care, compassion. Like, yeah, you're you're doing it. You're doing it, Mariah, and and it's just it's 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 wonderful to hear how you also have grown from someone who couldn't who thought I couldn't possibly do that. You know, children, no, like that that's or little yeah. young people running around too much. To yeah, what can I do, right? And like, yes, it's 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 never it's it's a lot, but it's never too much. It's never unreasonable because, you know, the child is just telling you what they need and they deserve that, um, and so yeah. like. trying to provide for that in, in the way that is best. Um, and I think thinking about it from like the, the finances, the kind of the behind the scenes systems and structures, sometimes like as, as educators, we don't think about that nearly enough. And actually, you know, we're, we're right now in a class, right? Because we're part of the same master's program at Harvard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're taking this finance class and a lot of people, yeah. including myself, are freaking out. I'm sure for yourself, Mariah, you're just kind of, you know, very like calmly nodding your head and saying, yep, this is important. <laughs> and let's, exactly, exactly. Yeah, let's just, let's, right. let's, let's do it. You know, you're, you understand, yeah. you've lived it, you've lived it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, you, you were talking about how vital it is to be fully present when teaching children. I, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, you've, mm -hmm. you've looked into different curriculum like the one from South Africa that you, you mentioned, it was like more like child centric and mm -hmm. really trying to understand how can we develop a full, you know, human being, right. For them to maximize their, their potential to bring that potential out. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel like there's probably some, some connect connection point to this topic that I want to introduce, right. About global citizenship. Um, you know, I, I was curious, um, is global citizenship a term that is used at your school? Um, or is it something that is talked about more broadly with, within Uganda in like the, the school system? Because, you know, in my understanding, this, this notion of really trying to um, bring out the full potential of a child, um, it plays into like their role on the global stage, right? Even if they never leave Uganda, they never leave their, their, their town that they are from. Their impact is still felt, um, but like how how has that concept maybe taken root or maybe not um, in a larger perspective? And then also for yourself personally, uh, is it something that you think about or have like you know grappled with? Um, I have thought about this. I have read about it. I have shared about it at a personal level. Uh, I have not seen it anywhere mentioned in our curriculum. or in our day-to-day -day, uh, things that we do at the school. There are small aspects of it, uh, aspects of care, aspects of compassion, aspects of appreciating that there are other people out there that will speak about, not because they're curriculum best, but because it's a life skill and things that we must talk about regardless of curriculum or not. But, but then it has not been taught it widely. And, and I think these are things that we need to improve as we redesign Uh, our our curriculum content because these are critical things, but you only get chance to talk about them in moments when you have children grouped for for special special issues like uh, girl talks, boy talks. You know, uh, teaching children to to be accommodative of other people, appreciating other people that come in. Because we talk about the refugee children that we bring in. Uh, some at some point I had an albino at the school, and they all. didn't know what was happening. At first, they thought it was a white person. And then at the end of the day, he realized, okay, I think he's not white. And, and they're stigmatized in our community. So we had to keep telling them it's just a white person. In Uganda, it's called a muzungu. So if you came down here, Scott, we would call you a muzungu. So we kept telling them muzungu to just uh, do away with the stigma that comes with you being an albino. Uh, but these are things that we constantly talk about. lightly in a, in a small groupings, not because they're part and parcel of the curriculum that we teach. But I think as we develop, as we get changes, as we redesign 
our instructional materials. These are things that we might need to include as part of the day-to-day -day learning for all our learners in Uganda. Yeah, no, I, I think I, what you talked about with like the, the compassion, the kind of bigger picture, it's like also the perspective taking that comes with, um, you know, global global citizenship or what does it mean to to cultivate global citizens. The example that you brought about with the student, the, the refugee um, who is albino, I think, you know, that 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 does speak to like trying to get to that stage of like understanding more about that particular child's background. Um, the understanding of like, yeah, what, why do we have certain terms as like, you know, muzumbu, right? The like, you know, mm -hmm. designation as like white person. Um, yeah. But then also these stigmas that society has about, well, you know, for like, you know, al albino uh, people, like what, what is it that kind of um, sets them apart or makes them, you know, in some ways outside of these more traditional frameworks and, and I think, um, you know, that that compassion and that kind of shared inquiry is really important um, because, you know, th this this child, the refugee, has emotions, right? Has this yeah. strong desire to understand their identity, their place in the world. And mm -hmm. when they are treated as something completely different, so something that does not belong, it, it mm -hmm. sends a really clear and and very negative message right and mm -hmm. and that, that's you know as a, as a compassionate educator like yourself that's the last thing you want to happen but you know exactly. how, how to make all these other students understand and to go through that process yeah it, it does require lots of skills um and so with this this notion of like okay we want to implement something you know in regards to like global citizenship but but no one's really talking about it in Uganda. Um, and you said that you've, you know, you've, you've heard about it. You've, you've thought about it. Um, what, do you know, like from where you heard this concept, like was there a particular moment or a particular like time you, you picked up something to read or you heard about it from another person, but like, when did it first kind of enter into your thought? Like it does, maybe it wasn't yeah. specifically global citizenship, but something, a term related to that something related to that from from a friend group uh one of my friends is doing his phd down here so he he brought all his phd uh school knowledge uh when i talked about studying at harvard so you know deep down into the conversation there are aspects of it that come through and uh, he mentioned it i was like okay what is that and that is when i, I was actually enticed to start reading about it and understanding what it really meant was a global citizen. Okay, I would understand it as uh, uh, logically as a person, maybe traveling around the world, getting knowledge of different cultures. But then for me, uh, the biggest about it is appreciating other people as different as they would come through to us and appreciating that they will not look like us, but then they have the same feelings. They get hurt, they get happy, and you know, you're standing for them and every other person when you need to, and that is what makes you a global citizen. Regardless of if a person is outside Uganda or within Uganda, outside your school setting or within your school setting. Yeah, I, I love I love the way you articulated that because I I I a hundred percent agree that a global citizen should not just be that one traveler who has the passport and just kind of goes around and sees other cultures and it's great. But, you know, there is this recognition that um, we, we have different cultures around, around the world, right. And people don't all look the same, but at the same time, you, you, you say this very clearly, but they have emotions, they have feelings, they, they have their own personal experiences. And, and that, that actually is what, you know, connects everyone. That, that really mm -hmm. speaks to our humanity that, you know, oftentimes we don't appreciate, we don't recognize. Uh, and, and, in some, and in some ways, right, like when the case of uh, war um, or, you know, persecution, discrimination, that's, that is what is explicitly attacked. And, and so how to like bring out, you know, the humanity of others and also to, to teach 
children to see that humanity, to value that, to celebrate that, you know, to want to learn from that. You know, I think that there's a lot more to say about global citizenship and making us more fully human, right? Yeah. So that that's you know that's kind of what I'm getting from what you're saying, and 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 I I really commend you for that because, um, you know it it sounds like you only recently heard about about it from your your PhD friend, um, you know, like about a year or so ago, and then suddenly you're just like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. This is my understanding, and then of course you know, uh, twenty twenty four will have new developments at your school and continue to grow, exactly. and it'll be even mm -hmm. better what it was in 2023 and definitely you know 2015 but you've just been on yes. this incredible journey of learning and you know i'm sure your mom would be very very proud <laughs> yeah, she is she's she super yeah. proud that's, yeah that's great do, do any of your sisters <laughs> by the way uh, go and and teach at your school or are they in different different schools completely different schools and two of them own schools wow okay that's yeah. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, very, very strong family uh, background in education. That's for sure. Do, <laughs> yes. do you, you have yes. three children. Yes. Do your children say the same thing that you said when you were a kid? You're like, I will never be a teacher because, you know, because <laughs> children are too <laughs> my, demanding. <laughs> my, my two sons are very little. Uh, one is three, one is one and a half. So they basically have no idea what is going on. But my biggest son is... Um, wants to be a statistician. I don't think he would ever cross my roots until when destiny pushes him there. Uh, but, but he's not walking this journey. I think he's as resistant as was. Uh, and when he talk about teaching, he laughs out loud. He's like, damn, nah, nah. <laughs> so I understand him and uh, I wouldn't judge him because what was then has not really changed so much today. And uh, until when we 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 reconsider who a teacher is. We reconsider their welfare, policy wise, uh, and the political will put there. I think then that is when we are going to entice children back into uh, being interested in the teaching profession. Mm. So mm -hmm. another question I have um, regards to like the teaching profession perception of teachers in Uganda. I mean. What you described about teachers in Uganda, it sounds the same like here in the U.S. Um, but mm -hmm. would you say that part of your your mission, right, as a as a school leader, as a school administrator, as an educator, is it to address that perception to kind of make teaching um, be valued more in a specific way, or would you say it's something different? Like, how how do you what do you think about <laughs> in terms of like uh, like a larger legacy that you're you're wishing to have, maybe on this school in particular, or in like a broader sense for education in Uganda. I'm, like, what are you striving towards and building up towards? I'm curious. Um, I personally come from a very humble background, and uh, I I fight every day to make sure I live a legacy that fights and that has fought for an inclusive access to education, first of all, to girls, to uh, teenage mothers. I was once a teenage mother. So I know what I went through to even get to, to this place today. I know how stigmatized they get. And uh, there are so many that would be probably what I am today if they didn't go through what they take them through, what our norms and values and traditions allow. And um, the poor, we are, we are one of the poorest countries around the world. And so many of our children miss school because the parents can't afford to pay school fees. And when you go to uh, the government aided schools because they are there, the quality of education is alarming. So uh, at the school we had founded a foundation called the Nandiona Sebufu Foundation because it was meant to, after COVID, is when I got the feeling of uh, how do I even get involved to help the children from poor families. We had initially in the school, but the parents now cannot afford to pay the fees. So we used our own parents who could afford to give in a little token, and they contributed money to pay for these children 
that already are in the school, but the parents could not afford to pay. But it is so hard to sustain it. Uh, so at some point, you even hold the operations of the association because you can't you can't keep begging them to keep, you know, giving. But there are thousands of children in Uganda that don't go to school, thousands of them. And there are so many that I would want, want personally to reach out to, the girls that are stuck in the villages, the girls that are on the streets because they got pregnant. And yet everybody can get pregnant because each of us has made a mistake at some point in life. Uh, but they're judged, they're stigmatized, they're you know, disowned, and they end up losing track of, of what they're supposed to be just because they got pregnant when they were teenage. Uh, they're in the teenage age. So access and inclusive access uh, to education and even the resource envelope that is given to education, those are key things that I would, I would want to actually follow through uh, before I retire. It's a legacy that I want to leave behind. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Mariah. It's just the passion that you, how you shared all of that. Um, the fact that it's it's tied to your your own story, right? From your humble backgrounds. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned that you, you yourself were also a teenage mother. And so you, you empathize so strongly mm-hmm. with what many of your, your own students um, and the families are, are going through. And, and I just feel like, you know, also as a school leader, the fact that you are there fighting for them and they also can look at you as this role model, right? That like, wow, you know, like Mariah is is so, like she's glowing, you know, and she's like doing the work and she's like, you know, so wonderful and caring. So I, I feel like, you know, you are recreating this, this wonderful community of support through the school but the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, how you wish to see your legacy and like what you're working towards, um, everything just speaks to how your impact will continue to grow and um, make it so that, yes, this access to quality education, specifically for girls and for teenage mothers, um, will be there. Mm-hmm. And um, and the fact that, you know, these cases of, uh, you know, teenage mother going on to like being an incredible mother and getting education and finding work that they're passionate about. These are the success mm-hmm. stories, including yourself, that are going to chip away, you know, erode that stigma that has been for so long in place in Uganda. I think that's just, you know, a wonderful light of hope for, for everyone out there. Um, so thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It's very, very inspiring. And just keep doing it, you know? You're doing amazing. Yeah. We're warriors. A teenage mother is a warrior. So I, I, I sometimes don't even call myself a teenage mother. I call myself a warrior mother because I am a child raising a child. And somebody needs to come up and take care of these girls. They are babies taking care of babies. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to know where they are, how they feel, how they're supported, and what plans they have for their lives. Because if I did go back to school, I would be like one of them. I just want to be a candle that lights up and say, you can do it just like yeah, just like me. It's, it's not going to be an easy road, mm. but when you stay focused, you certainly get to where you want to get to. Wow. I, I love that 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 uh, reframing of like teenage mother or warrior mother. I love that. I'm going mm. to carry that and use that <laughs> moving forward. So thank you so much, <laughs> Mariah. And, you know, it, we are coming to the, the end of our conversation. It's been such a lovely, um, you know, chat with you and just learning about your journey and all that you've been uh, doing to really support your community. And, um, and, you know, I, I like to ask this question. Um, it's, it's, it's more of like a book or movie recommendation, maybe something that you've read or watched recently, but is there anything like in light of the, our conversation that you would like to recommend for our listeners? Uh, my friend that shared the term shared with me, the natural lies. It's a movie. I think it's beautiful, and uh, if you got some time, you would you would watch it. Uh, it's about a group of people that were trying to uh, put their lives together, people from different parts, uh, share a similar quest, kind of to citizenship. But I think it's beautiful in light of what we're talking about today. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, that's a that's a great recommendation. I haven't seen it myself, uh, natural eyes, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, for everyone else, like definitely check it out. And, you know, 
that that brings us to the conclusion. Um, it's been so wonderful hearing your story, Mariah. Thank you so much for taking this time. It's really been such a joy to um, just, you know, be in your presence and hear this uh, passion of yours to serve your your students and this constant seeking spirit and this desire to learn more and um, mm -hmm. and all, you know, to benefit and serve your community. So um, I wanted to give the last words, any any final thoughts or just kind of like a send off uh, as we wrap up this this conversation. I want, I want to say I'm honored to be here for giving me this platform to share uh, who I am but also to uh, to speak to everybody that would be listening, that the world can be a better place if we all chose to stand in for one another. It can be a better place. Thank you so much, Mariah, for joining me on the podcast today. I really enjoyed learning about your journey as a school administrator and school leader, and the fact that you come from a family of educators and despite your reluctance to take on this path, um, you have discovered the value of education and you have been able to contribute your skills and knowledge and experience into this new endeavor of broadening um, access to education and solidifying the frameworks and the structures of a school to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to learn and to learn well, right? To educate the full child. And that the only way to do that is through empathy and care and really valuing the community around you. And I think that you have so much more to offer as you continue in your legacy of really making education accessible and inclusive of girls and teenage mothers or warrior mothers and i wish you all the best in your continued efforts thank you so much mariah